0: And you may be seated. I'm going to give a little background to our Gospel reading today before we get into it. So as we get into our Gospel reading, it picks up where we left off last week. And last Sunday we read that Jesus heals on the Sabbath day. Now when he does this at different points in the Gospel, sometimes the religious leaders, who are kind of religious literalists, they don't like it. So if you go back to God's Word long, long ago, God said, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's in a couple places in the Bible. I've shared this before. In one place, it appears in Exodus. It says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And the reason given is because God created the earth and then God took a day of rest. Therefore, we too are to rest from our labors. But in the book of Deuteronomy, a different reason is given for Sabbath. It says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For you were once slaves in Egypt. You never had a time to rest And so you are to take this day as a day of freedom, remembering that God freed you, God gives you rest, to remember that your core identity is not found in your work and what you do, but your core identity and value comes because God has given it to you, because God created you and formed you. So when Jesus heals on the Sabbath day, he is freeing people, going back to that understanding of Sabbath. He frees people from what holds them back or weighs them down or keeps them separated from their community. And so we get to our reading for today. It's still the Sabbath day. Jesus and his companions, they leave their time of worship at the synagogue and they go to Simon and Andrew's home. And when they get there, they learn that Simon Peter's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever. She's sick. So on the Sabbath day, at the end of that day, Jesus approaches her, takes her by the hand, and lifts her up. He frees her from what's keeping her from everyone else, and she's immediately brought into service. So we'll read that she gets up to serve them. Now this kind of used to annoy me, because I'm like, couldn't you just give her a rest? She's just been sick, and she has to get up and serve. But then I learned that the same word for service that she does for Jesus— is the same word that's used by the angels who serve Jesus in the wilderness after he's tempted. One scholar notes it's the same word for service that's used when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. So here, already in chapter 1 of Mark's gospel, perhaps before any of the other disciples get it, Simon's mother-in-law gets it. She's experienced the freeing, life-giving, restoring work of Jesus— And then she immediately takes up that same work herself, sharing holy hospitality with Jesus and his friends, and she does this holy work right in her own home. So let's read the Gospel, the Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. As soon as Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, which means the Sabbath day is done, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. In this gospel reading, we sort of get a snapshot of a day in the life of Jesus, and I absolutely love reading this passage and kind of paying attention and watching the actions of Jesus, what he does on this particular day. Debbie Thomas is a writer, and she writes about this passage and shares a quote from Annie Dillard. Annie Dillard writes, How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do this hour And that one is what we are doing. And she goes on to talk about how this is such an obvious and yet shocking truth, that how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And she says for her, it can be a little disturbing. Because she writes that much of the time, I'm not impressed with how I spend my days. (laughs) Has anyone ever felt that before? (laughs) Like, you look back on the day and you're like, this did not go how it should have or how I wanted it to. And she says, so I don't want these particular days to count. I want this day or that shapeless string of days last week not to count. And I promise myself what will count are the days I plan to live in the future. Days that I will fill with intention and purpose and meaning. Days that I meticulously schedule and faithfully keep that schedule. Days that are marked by order and devotion. When I get around to living those days, maybe tomorrow, maybe next month, then that will be the life I'm going to live. She writes, it's a fantasy, of course, because Dillard is right. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And I don't think this is meant to stir up guilt in us, for those of us who aren't feeling too happy with how we're spending our days, but instead to give us a sense of urgency, that the time is now to follow Jesus more fully. It's not time to wait. And so I wonder, how do we want to spend our days How do we want to spend our lives? And maybe more importantly or helpfully, how is God leading and nudging us to spend our days and our lives? Adam Hamilton, in the book Unafraid, he writes that there's no greater purpose for our lives than to know that we are loved by God, to love God, and to love one another. If we are doing that each day, then we are living well we look at Jesus on this particular day in this gospel reading, there is something so life-giving in how Jesus spends this day fully being with people, that how Jesus spends his days is how he spends his life. So he shows up not only in the places of the worship, not only in places we think of as holy, but he shows up in the middle of a regular, ordinary home, and there he brings healing and restores connection as he heals Simon's mother-in-law, and she ends up acting going into this holy ministry of service. Debbie Thomas puts it this way. She says Jesus blesses that everyday location with his presence and honors that home and I would add our homes as a holy place where God's work goes forward. I think there's something in this passage about us being more aware of God in our daily lives and all that we do. I think it's not just a kind of a self-led spiritual awareness. It's an awareness of God that's deeply rooted in Jesus Christ. And Jesus, who we read next in that gospel reading, puts himself in the middle of those who are in despair, of those who feel overwhelmed. I mentioned that the Sabbath ends with the setting of the sun. But Jesus' ministry continues as friends and neighbors and family members bring their friends and neighbors and family members Jesus, who are overcome with mental illness, or those who are sick, or those who are possessed with any forces that are keeping them from God or from each other. And Jesus, rather than shun or hide or try to get away from these outsiders, he enters right into their midst, freeing them from those things that are getting in their way. One thing we see here is Jesus is ever extending the circle wider of who can receive his grace. And quite a bit later in the gospel, he sends his disciples out to do the same, to extend the circle of his mercy and grace and compassion ever wider. I wonder how we're all living out that ministry today. And yet, before the disciples are ever sent out to do Jesus' work, they follow. A couple of weeks ago, we read about Jesus calling the first disciples, saying, "'Come, follow me, I'll make you fish for people.'" But a huge chunk of the gospel, they don't fish for people. A huge chunk of the gospel, all they do is follow. They follow him to synagogues. They see him heal. They hear him teach. They follow him into homes. They follow him to deserted places of prayer. And all the while, these disciples don't really do anything at all except follow, except watch Jesus and listen for Jesus, which I think is really instructive for us as well. Because we all can get so caught up in the doing and all that we are doing or think we should be doing that we forget it all starts, it's all rooted in first listening and following Jesus. We also see in Jesus on that particular day in this gospel reading that there are times when we need to stop. We read that Jesus early in the morning, while it was still dark, he goes off to a deserted place to pray. There was still work for him to do. There were still people searching for him and who had need. But Jesus, being fully human, realized there were times he needed to say no and just stop. Which I think helps us know that we, too, don't need to be productive every minute of every day. That there are times when we just are called to be in the presence of God. To be reminded that our value doesn't come from all that we do, but it just comes Because we are, because we have been created and made by God. So there are those times when we too need that renewal that only comes from spending time with Jesus, from listening to the Holy Spirit. I think of a devotion that I read this past week in the book Good Enough. It was by Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie. And the devotion was about creating habits to help us become more aware of God. And they give the tip that to begin any new practice, we need to be reminded, and that most effective reminders happen every day. Now, I've heard this before, that if you want to start something new, and in this case, a spiritual practice, it's best to tie that to something you do every day, like brushing your teeth. Maybe you put up on your mirror a verse from the Bible that you want to remember for that week, and so as you brush your teeth, you read that verse, be reminded that God is with you. Or they say, your first sip of coffee, this has worked really well for me. I sit down with my coffee before anyone else is up, and now I take out my devotion book. So those two things go together. Or they suggest, how about when you plug your phone in the charger before bed? Maybe you have your Bible open, and as you plug in that charger, you read a couple verses. They also say, maybe filling the dishwasher, opening your laptop, whatever might work for you. And they write, pick one reminder you can create an association with. This is your spiritual cue. You've got a little reminder every day. And when it happens, maybe start small by saying something like, God, today is yours. And then notice how that regular practice helps you shape your day. One of the writers of that devotional, Jessica, she changed her alarm so that when she wakes up in the morning, she wakes up to these words, rise, shine, and give God the glory. What a great way to start the day with those words, right? Rise, shine, and give God the glory. After reading that devotion, I put a reminder on my phone toward the beginning of the day. It says, God, today is yours. So I read it every time I pick up my phone throughout the day. It reminds me, how am I going to honor God today? For if we use our days to honor God... I believe we will find the fulfillment and meaning and purpose and maybe even joy that we are longing for. So what practice might you add into your days to help you become more aware of Jesus each and every day? Annie Dillard wrote, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. May we spend our days taking up the ministry of Jesus, of Jesus who renews us and wants what's life-giving for us. Jesus who moves us to extend the circle of his compassion ever wider. Jesus who invites us to create habits that remind us that whatever struggle we're facing right now, whatever challenges we see in this world, that's not all there is. But God in Jesus Christ is there, working new life for us, making holy the places we already are. Thanks be to God. Amen.